What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We're a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB, E-T-H-O-S, FantasyBB. I know I've probably driven you guys absolutely crazy telling you that handle every single day now for pretty much the entire duration of the show. But it is because I want you guys to go check out all the great work that our guys have going on over there. Podcasts, articles, different news and notes throughout the day. Ethos Fantasy BB is the place where we share out all of that content. I try and retweet as much of our guys' stuff on there as well. Different news and notes throughout the day, throughout the evening. Our guys are very active on Twitter, so make sure you are following Ethos Fantasy BB and checking out all the great work from our writers. If you're not on Twitter very often, I can definitely understand Twitter can be a a bit of a tricky place to navigate sometimes. You guys can go to sportsethos.com and get all of our content there, not just on the baseball side, but everything we got across all major sports. We have team coverage that's not related to fantasy, specifically covering the team. We got DFS. We got wagering stuff. Lots to talk about at Sports Ethos right now, so make sure you guys are checking out the website and the Twitter stuff because lots going on on Twitter. We always have a lot of posts that are going on on Twitter. Our guys are constantly doing things, so make sure that you are on there if you can if you can stomach being on Twitter anyway. Now, today we're going to look at some news and notes to start off, and then I'm going to talk about some players who are above 50% rostered in Yahoo Leagues that you can probably cut, and some guys who are below that you should be taking a look at adding. But first, let's take a look at a couple of pieces of news. The first one, and again, <laughs> these are usually not great when we got news to start off a show. It's usually something sad, and this is a sad bit of news here. Riley Green has been placed on the IL with a stress fracture in his left fibula. Not great. Now, the good news is that it's only a 10-day injured list, and I believe he's going to be getting a second opinion. Uh, There is no talk yet that I've seen of surgery or extended absences. Like, I'm sure he's going to miss, you know, it might not be even a minor or a minimum stint, I should say, uh, on the IL. He might end up going for a month or something like that. It's really tough to know, but the good news is that he just went on the 10-day IL and there's been no talk of surgery just yet. I got a couple questions asking if he is worth holding on to. He's absolutely worth holding on to until we actually have further information. If they tell us, oh, he's out for the year, obviously, that you drop him. Even if they tell you he's out for, you know, two, three months or something at that point, you probably drop him. But, you know, I'm going to be optimistic about it and say, based on the news we've seen, it's maybe not going to be so bad. He's been really excellent this last month. Borderline top 50 player. He's got three homers, four steals. He's batting over 360. He's, he's a guy you're holding on to until you have a reason that you need to drop him. So he is an IL designated player now, so you can stick him on the injured list. I wouldn't be dropping him unless you really, truly have to. And I, I don't see a situation right now where you have to. I think that in all cases, you just hold on. You see what the news is. If the news is good, then the news is good. If the news is bad, then you reevaluate from there. But at this point, nothing you can really do with Riley Green. I wouldn't be looking at any of the guys that they're going to be using as alternatives either as fantasy options. Um, you know, who, who did they bring up? It was, uh, Andy Abanez. Is it Andy Abanez that they were using or Jake Marisnik? Like those kind of guys are, are not really going to be fantasy viable. So there's no direct replacement on the Tigers, but the, you know, the main point here being Riley Green, just hold on to him until we have a better picture of what exactly is going on uh, with him until we know more, uh, solidified anyway, what the timeline is going to be for him. Now, another guy who went on the IL, Harrison Bader, the Yankees put him on the IL with a low-grade strain. Uh, it is, where is the strain exactly? It's a hamstring. Uh, it's a hamstring strain. 
So he's an interesting case. I've never been a big Harrison Bader guy, but I've kind of had to eat my words. He's been really, really good recently. It's kind of the same advice with Harrison Bader. They're saying it's a low-grade strain, so you're not expecting it to be too much. I mean, he'll probably be out for a couple of weeks. But again, same kind of situation as Riley Green. He's been so good recently, specifically over the last month. He actually is ranked inside the top 50, according to Yahoo!, they're, they're both guys that you're holding until we have further information. Again, if they say that Harrison Bader is going to be out for months on end and it's gotten worse than they expected, then then it's a different story. You're probably willing to drop him. But at this point, uh, he's another guy that we're holding. There's no real move to be made here other than to just put him on the injured list at this point because he's been really good. And again, I had to eat my words, but... I don't know. I still There's still a part of me that thinks that he's maybe a little bit overrated from the fantasy community, but I also think that what he's done is semi-legit, so I would be holding on still until we know exactly how long the timeline is going to be. Now we got some news on Jesse Winker. Uh, he was also placed on the 10-day IL. Jesse Winker is somebody that you shouldn't have been holding at all. Brutal. Just a brutal year for him. Brutal couple of years for him. He's not hit a home run. He's not somebody you expect to steal bases, but looking at the 0-0 zero and zero in those two categories – Really rough. He's batting 204. He's got 24 runs in RBIs combined. Just awful. 12% of people are still holding, or 12% of leagues are still rostering Jesse Winker for whatever reason. Send him back to waiver wire. He should have been on the waiver wire a long time ago. He's been bad the whole season. Look at the last month 10 for 55. He's batting 182 in that strike. There's just, there's just nothing there this season. There hasn't been for a couple of years with Jesse Winker. So if you're still holding on for whatever reason, please. Please send him back to the waiver wire. There are much better options that are out there. Here's kind of an interesting piece of news. Uh, It's Gary Sanchez, right? We know Gary Sanchez was up with the Mets for, was it two games maybe? I'm not even sure. if. uh, Yeah, it was two games. Uh, He went one for six in those two games, and then the Mets uh, put him on waivers. Now, he got picked up by the Padres. Uh, That was a couple days ago he got picked up. But yesterday, he was hitting seventh, and he was in the lineup. Interesting to some degree. I mean, this is more for you guys in two catcher leagues because you really just <laughs> most two catcher leagues, you're you're pretty screwed with at least one of your catchers. Like unless you really paid up for catchers, most of the time you're maybe getting a mid pack guy and a later end guy. Again, maybe you've took JT Realmuto and then you took Jonah Heim or something, and then you're not really worried. I think a lot of people are kind of in the market at least to kick the tires on a catcher replacement in a fifteen teamer. Again, this is like NFBC focused kind of comment here. He could be somebody that does end up having some kind of fantasy viability. If he's playing regularly in that lineup, and granted, the lineup has been bad, but it is a lot better than what we have seen from them. They're capable of a lot more, and I think that we'll start to see that over the course of the season. They're a very top-heavy lineup, but that top is incredibly good. Once Machado is back and all the pieces are gelling together the way they should, could be a more dangerous lineup than what we've seen. In fact, it, it almost certainly will be. I believe I saw a stat a few days ago actually just reminded me that the, oh, the A's had scored more runs than the Padres. I think that was maybe a week ago. But just like uh, atrocious offense so far from the Padres. But they should be able to turn it around if Gary's – and there's a lot of ifs in this equation. But you know, if they start to turn it around, if Gary Sanchez is getting regular playing time, then he does, he does become a viable catcher in 15-team leagues. 15-team two-catcher leagues. I should, be, I should clarify. This is like an NFBC thing. This is not your Yahoo – ESPN, you know, 10, 12 team, one catcher leagues. There's no way that he has any kind of fantasy viability in 10 catcher leagues this year or 12 catcher leagues, likely even 15 team, one catcher leagues. But once you get to the two catcher formats, you know, he's probably going to be somewhere. If he sticks regular playing time somewhere in the 20s in terms of where I'd put him for catchers, mid 20s in terms of ranking, 
could be a play even in a 12-team two-catcher league, potentially. But this is nothing to do for right now. This is a watch list, a wait-and-see kind of moment, and he could potentially have some value down the line if you need a little bit of power specifically. That's pretty much all he does, but I just wanted to point it out because you know there are a couple of teams of mine where you know you drafted, even draft and hold. It's not, I mean, you can't do anything in a draft and hold, but just looking at my different catcher situations right now, like there's teams that have awful, awful, awful catchers, guys I had to drop early in the year, and your Carson Kellys and just... Some some bad drafting decisions and also some injuries and some bad luck, but regardless, most teams in those in those deeper leagues are at least taking a look at catcher. Not to say that they're so interested they're going to be bidding a bunch of money on them, but just keeping an eye, especially if you're not somebody who paid up for catching this season. So just make sure Gary Sanchez is on your watch list. No move to be made for now, but just keep an eye and see what the production looks like if he does get regular playing time. Let's talk about Cedric Mullins. Now, this one happened a couple of days ago, but they've actually just officially placed him on the IL yesterday. He's got a groin strain. This is 10 days. It's not good. Now, obviously, very, very obviously, there's no moves we made here, drastic moves with Cedric Mullins. He's been a top 40 player this year. He's been electric, and he's been a big reason why the Orioles have done so well. The reason I bring that up is because of his replacement and because people always seem to really like his replacement for whatever reason. Now, people haven't really been adding him up yet. This is Aaron Hicks we're talking about, by the way, folks. Aaron Hicks is the guy that they've (laughs) signed on to replace Cedric Mullins here. It's a one-year contract for the rest of the year. Not necessarily the direct replacement, but essentially here. Um, Please don't add Aaron Hicks anywhere. I mean, some people might be tempted to in certain situations, deeper leagues, five up, but there's, there's nothing. There's really nothing. Uh, you know, I, I got one question about Aaron Hicks, and I'm just going to you know put it out there. He's not worth adding in any format. He's just not somebody that carries enough juice for fantasy purposes to really, to really matter. He's not going to be in the lineup for very long. Hopefully, hopefully this is a minimum thing for Mullins, and then we don't have to really worry at all about Aaron Hicks. I wouldn't worry about him regardless. You know, even if we see a couple of good games, even if he homers today and steals two bases, uh, I wouldn't be doing it. He could do that again tomorrow, hit a homer and steal two bases again, and I'm still not going to be interested in Aaron Hicks. He's just not somebody that's really going to have much kind of any kind of fantasy viability, especially considering the duration will probably be a, a very short one. Uh, hopefully it'll be a very short one in the Orioles lineup. That's the news and notes for today. Now let's take a look at what I mentioned off the top here. Just talking about some guys that are rostered in more than 50% of leagues that I think you can drop. This is specifically referencing 12-team leagues. That's the baseline I was using for this particular exercise. First one I got a little bit of pushback on from some people, Carlos Correa. I think Carlos Correa, you can drop him in 12-team leagues. Now this, I I, I have to specify because I play in a lot of different formats. I play on ESPN, Fantrax, Yahoo, the NFBC. You need to be very specific when you are giving this kind of advice. What I'm talking about here, and I use Yahoo roster percentages for a reason, is I'm mostly talking about those Yahoo leagues where we are talking about one player at each position, you know, first, second, third, short, three outfielders, one or two utility spots, whatever the case may be. In the NFBC leagues, you're talking about even, you know, there's three, there's the usual spots, and then you got middle infield, corner infield, and five outfielders, and it's just bigger benches. It just uh, makes everything a little bit trickier. So for this exercise... We're talking about 12-team standard fantasy leagues. We're not talking about deeper roto leagues. We're talking standard leagues that the most, the majority of you guys are playing in, from what I understand from my polling that I did at the beginning of the season. But let's talk about Carlos Correa for a second. He's been brutal. I mean, the BABIP has been really low, and that could be influencing the low batting average. It probably is, but regardless, there's just not a lot of juice there. In a year where everybody's stealing bases and everybody needs more steals, having a guy like him who has a full-on zero, not the greatest, the counting stats these last few years really haven't been that great. They've really never been that great, if we're being honest. 
I think, like, let me just pull them up here real quick. But I, I was looking at them earlier when I was going back and forth with, uh, with a couple people on Twitter. He's just so unimpressive from a fantasy point of view. He really doesn't do anything from a fantasy point of view. Like, okay, he gives you a good batting average. Usually gives you a good batting average, which he's not doing this year. Never hit more than 26 home runs. That was the most he ever hit. He had 104 runs, and he had 96 RBIs one time. So he's hit 100 runs once. He's never hit 100 RBIs, despite playing in those ridiculously stacked lineups in Houston his whole career. Never able to do that. Again, he's not stealing bases. And I think the batting average will get better, but I think as a whole, if you're talking 12-team leagues, there are a lot of better options here if you're just talking about the shortstop position. I was going through it earlier. There are so many viable shortstops. Like, okay, you want to talk about the top of the top guys that aren't available? Sure. Like Semyon, Wander Franco, Bichette, Bobby Witt. Mookie Betts is eligible at shortstop now on Yahoo. Tyra Estrada is injured, but, you know, he's still been excellent. Frankie Lindor, Nico Herner, Taylor Walls, Jorge Mateo, who's cooled off, but still had a productive season. Jeremy Pena, Tommy Edmonds, Xander Bogarts, Bryson Stott, Dansby Swanson, Fernando Tatis. There are so many viable shortstops that I just don't think in a 12-team league, a guy like Carlos Correa, who is actually hurting you in a couple spots, really makes that much sense. So I'd be dropping him in a 12-team league in a, in a lot of leagues, honestly. Uh, Andres Jimenez, a, another guy where I, I feel like there is some hope that he can turn it around. And I might as well talk about him and Ahmed Rosario at the same time because they're on the same team. They both did very well last year. They were both fairly high draft picks this year. And I think, again, like there's a good chance that these guys will turn it around. But I think in 12-team leagues, you need to be churning and burning on the waiver wire a lot of the time. 10, 12, whatever it is, the daily change leagues that a lot of people play in, you need to, even if it's weekly, you need to constantly be getting the best that you can into your lineups. Andres Jimenez and Ahmed Rosario, you're talking about guys who are Again, those middle infield positions, and I just don't know that uh, Rosario does have outfield eligibility as well, but there are just a lot of options there if you're talking shortstop. Second base, there's not as many, but there's still enough where I think in I think in any position you're talking, in a 10 or a 12-team league, there are enough options on the waiver wire where you shouldn't be having to hold anybody necessarily, if that makes sense. You know, there are... There are going to be situations where you're going to have to drop somebody. You're going to want to pick somebody up. But I, I just don't think because of the depth of the waiver wire that you can be in a situation where, oh, I have to hold him because, you know, there's just nobody available. In the leagues that are that shallow, that's not ever going to be a question, I don't think. So whether it's shortstop, second, outfield, whatever it is, I, I don't see the need to be holding guys who have been so bad. And it's been two months now. Like, it's not like we're talking a small sample size anymore. For a lot of these guys, we're talking 200 at-bats. Jimenez just hasn't cut it at all. We were worried a little bit about him coming into the season, and it's just been brutal. If you look at the last month, he's batting under 200, one homer, one steal. Get him out of here. You know, get him out of here. He's still on 73% of rosters. There are a lot better options for you out there. Ahmed Rosario, kind of the same thing. He does tend to get better in the second half over his career, but what he's given you isn't really anything. You know, He's stealing some bases for you. He's got eight steals, but that's pretty much it. He's got one homer. He's batting 239. Cleveland's lineup has been awful and a lot of it does come down to these guys underperforming but if you just look at their team statistics 29th in runs they're 27th in average they're 30th in slugging and OPS 30th in homers they're not a good offense and at this point I'm willing to shed those guys who are not you know your Jose Ramirez is obviously but the guys who are in that lineup that are not really producing through two months of the season two months exactly of the season have gone by now these guys have been brutal so I don't, I don't see any need to be holding on to them at this point. Uh, Andres Jimenez and Ahmed Rosario, get him out of here. The next guy, Jake Cronenworth. 
Jake Cronenworth is another guy who I think, again, probably will get better than this, but it's just been horrendous. He's hitting some homers. He's got six of them, but literally he batted 209. He's got two stolen bases. It's just bad production across the board. Now, in that lineup, again, I made the argument with Gary Sanchez earlier, so I have to make it here with, with Jake Cronenworth, with ah, Cronenworth, excuse me, that they will likely be better throughout the course of the season. Once they get a healthy Machado back to go along with Bogarts and Tatis and Soto, it should be a lot better, especially Cronenworth slotted in like at the top of that lineup a lot of the time. There's a good chance that he could turn around and bite me in the ass and make this look like a stupid call. But again, he's been just so awful for two months. There's nobody really in that range of player who is like that, like the Cronenworths, like the Rosarios, like the Andres Jimenez kind of player. Guys that you were kind of drafting in the roughly 100 range, you know, maybe a little bit inside, maybe as far back as about 120. There's nobody in that range that I think is like, oh, you know, you spent too much on him. You have to hold on. There's no sunk investment costs that you should be factoring into your decisions at this point because it's been long enough where we can see, okay, it's not really going so well this season. They're not really producing. You got to kind of cut your losses. Now, if it's a top 30 player or something like that who's not been producing for you, then yeah, you're still holding on. But I think you're at that threshold with these three guys in particular, with Cronenworth, Rosario, and Jimenez, where you know it's bad enough where I don't need to worry about them because there are just so many options on the waiver wire. If they get hot again, you can try and pick them up. But I think they're just not really a lot going on there. And that's it's a similar argument that goes on for, for pretty much everybody that we got on the list here. DJ LeMayhew is another one that people love to hold on to, 71% rostered. I don't really get it. You know, he plays most days. He's got good eligibility, but he doesn't do much at all from a fantasy point of view. Six homers, no steals, 243 average. That was the calling card of DJ LeMayhew forever, was that you're going to get a great batting average out of him, and now that's far from a certainty at this point of his career. So I just think he's another guy where he's very, very expendable, regardless of, you know, maybe not in your 15-teamers, because you do kind of just need warm bodies in 15-teamers a lot of the time. But in your shallow formats, I just don't see him having that much value for you. That Yankees lineup is pretty much just Aaron Judge, Anthony Rizzo, no disrespect intended, but the rest of the lineup outside of those two guys, really, really not that great. I know Anthony Volpe has had his flashes, and Glaber's been okay here and there, but it's not a great lineup. And DJ LeMahieu cleaning up for that lineup is just its not good. Like you'd think, okay, he's batting fourth at Yankees. He should be a fantasy viable option with his eligibility. He's won batting titles and yada, yada, yada. He's past, his, he's past his expiration date, and at this point, there's there's really no need for him in shallow leagues. 71% of people seem to want to hold on to him, but there are much better options out there on the waiver wire. There, there really, truly are. Jose Abreu is another one. Jose Abreu is a guy where I'm, I'm not following my own advice in one of my leagues. I cut him in a few of them. I'm still holding him in my home league, and he had a home run the other day. He actually hit his first home run, so it does make it harder to actually part with him, but Jesus Murphy, man. One home run, zero steals. You're not expecting steals, but it's still rough to look at when you go along with a 214 batting average. 35 runs in RBIs combined. 35 in the middle of that lineup after two months, 35 runs in RBIs. If it had just been 35 RBIs at this point, you would have said that's pretty good. Probably even were hoping for more than that if it was just the RBI total from Abreu. Like if you look at the league leaders in RBIs, Adelise Garcia has 49. Like, there are eight play, nine players in Major League Baseball who have just more RBIs, or actually it might even be more than that. No, excuse me, there are more than that. There are 23 players in baseball who have more RBIs than Jose Abreu has runs and RBIs put together. 
maybe he'll turn it around. The advanced stats don't seem to be painting that picture that it's going to be a rosy rest of season for Abreu. And again, and I think in your shallow leagues, there are better options. There are guys that you can move on to, especially considering that he's 37 years old, 38 years old. He is in the declining phase of his career. If he was a young guy going through a slump, you know, like a Gunnar Henderson, then you might want to give him more of the benefit of the doubt to say, okay, he's still figuring a few things out at the major league level. He's starting to come around maybe. Then you give them a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt. With Jose Abreu, it looks like he's in the declining phase of his career, and I just don't see any need really to be holding on to him still. Let's talk about a pitcher. And I don't know why why people are still interested in him. I think it's probably because of last season's magic, but it's Martin Perez, right? Uh, he, he has a couple of good starts here and there, usually against shitty teams, and he's a streamable option. He is a streamable option, but he's rostered in 56% of leagues still. It's really unnecessary, guys. He is a 443 ERA. He is a 154 whip. He's ranked as the 675th player on the season, according to Yahoo. And a lot of that is inflated also by his win total. He's won six games, which doesn't sound like a lot. But at this point of the season, it actually is kind of a lot of wins for pitchers. The league leader is Shane McClanahan at eight. So that is bolstering that ranking if you're somebody who does like to look at rankings. If you just like to look at the data, too, it's been bad. No strikeouts, really, 44 of them in 61 innings. Good team context, but that's pretty much all you got for him. And good team context usually means you're a streamable player. If you're not giving me production in and of yourself, then you can you can get out of here and go back to the waiver wire. 56% of people are still holding on. I, I really don't see the point with Martin Perez. The only thing there is the wins, and you might get those, but I don't think that that's a worthy enough price to pay when you're not getting any strikeouts, when you're just really not getting much, if any, other production out of him. Get that garbage out of here, as Jack Armstrong would say, and send him to the waiver wire. Those are the guys that I am dropping in you know, if you're more than 50% rostered, looking at those kind of players, Carlos Correa, Andres Jimenez, Jake Cronenworth, DJ LeMayhew, Jose Abreu, Martin Perez, and Ahmed Rosario. Those are guys in your 12-team leagues where I just don't think that they are cutting it anymore with their production. Now, I want to highlight three players who are rostered in less than 50% of leagues that I think are worth rostering. Maybe not in every single case, but in a lot of cases, they are definitely worth taking a look at. We're going to start off with Brian Abreu. Brian Abreu... Doing it again, second straight year, and he is really, really, really doing it. 25 and a third innings, he has 42 strikeouts. He is striking out batters at a 41.6% pace. He's got 10 saves plus holds. There's two saves and eight holds in there. A 239 XFIP and a sub one whip for the season. He's allowing less than a base runner per inning. He has just been excellent, and it's two years in a row where he's done this. So I think that he is a strong, strong candidate to roster as somebody who's going to help out your ratios, save hold leagues, a uh, must-roster player. But even if you're not in a saves-plus-holds league, I think Brian Abreu does carry a lot of value just based on the strikeouts and based on his fairly high-leverage role there. Think of him, as of right now, like an Andres Munoz type from last season. He can be exactly that type of player on an even better team. So take a look at Brian Abreu, 48% rostered on Yahoo. He's given up runs in his last two outings, and it's been, you know, not the greatest couple of outings, but even with them, he's just put his season ERA at 2-1-3. That's how good he was doing before. He's allowed to have a couple of kind of rockier outings, and it's not going to change the way I feel about him. Go take a look at Brian Abreu and see if he's available in your league at this point. Jake McCarthy, a.k.a. Rake McCarthy, won a lot of leagues for people last year. Potential to do that again this year if he's keeping up uh, what he's done so far since being recalled. He's 5 for 14. He's stolen five bases. That's the huge part here. He has played in five games. He's stolen five bases. Now, in you know, it, it came spread out. It wasn't one base in each game. But in each of the last two games, 
He had two stolen bases in each of them, and then he stole one uh, first game. He got called up as well. I don't know necessarily what things are going to hold for Jake McCarthy. It's still a very fairly crowded outfield in Arizona, and I don't know if he is necessarily locked into rest of season playing time. I think it really depends on him. But at this point, with the speed upside, we know last year he had a bit of pop in there as well, hit for a good average. And maybe he figured something out in the minor league level that he didn't have earlier in the season. But I think right now you got to add him. you got to just take a chance and say, okay, maybe we can catch lightning in a bottle like we did last year with him. The speed is legit. The power is semi-legit. And I think the batting average can come along as well. Take a look. Not to say he's a must-roster player, like you have to get him at all costs, but I think he could be a really interesting, sneaky player for the rest of the season. One more guy we'll talk about. That's Brian De La Cruz. Now, I wasn't terribly big or low on him. I never really had a very strong opinion on Brian Dela Cruz, but the guy has been tearing it up recently. Over the last month, he's got five homers and two steals, 347 batting average in that time. And if you look at the whole season, he's batting over 300. He's got a 301 average, seven homers and three steals. He's got 48 runs in RBIs combined. He's looking really, really good. He's playing every day for that Marlins team, and he actually let off yesterday. So, that could be a sign of things to come. Again, I don't know why Luis Arise does not lead off for that team. Seems like it should be fairly obvious that the best contact hitter on base guy should be the guy leading off of your team. But regardless, whatever the case is, Brian De La Cruz will have value. Whether he's batting first or fourth or fifth, I think that he will have some value this season. He is currently only sitting on 39% of rosters. So definitely another guy to take a look at. I'm not sure if I mentioned it with McCarthy, uh, but he's 44% and Abreu 48%. So those guys are all options under 50%, really should take a look at all of them. I personally like Brian Abreu the best there. I love those ratio-reducing relief pitchers. I, I really do. I think that they are very undervalued for fantasy, which is why he's still available. But the production they're giving you, you know, if you have one or two of those guys, it's like having an ace. It's literally like having an ace on your roster. You know, you get five, six innings in the week. Some weeks you might give up a couple runs. And there's a little bit of volatility there. You know, if you have the week like you did this past week, then it might not go so well for you. But... A lot of the time, you know, you get one of those guys, he pitched three innings in the week, he'll strike out six, seven batters, usually not give up a run, might luck himself into a win or a save. That's what a Abreu can do for you. So definitely somebody to consider. All of them are guys to consider. Uh, but guys, thank you so much for hanging out again here with us on this Wednesday. We'll be back again tomorrow. We'll be talking about similar things, I assume. We kind of just play it by ear here. News of the day does kind of dictate what we're going to do for shows. Sometimes I'll get an idea like I did for the 50% idea today, and we went with that. But we'll mix it up again tomorrow. We'll do something different. Until then, you can reach out on Twitter at JoeRico99 and at EthosFantasyBB. We're still hiring people as well. I should have mentioned that off the top, but we're still bringing people on here at Sports Ethos across all of our major sports. Everything we got going on, we're always looking to augment with great people, so please do reach out if you are interested in potentially coming aboard. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out. We'll see you again tomorrow, and until then, take care, have a great night, and cheers. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.